All right. Page 11. Six week study on the names of God. God is not his only name. Page 11. You're probably known by different names. Those names reflect both your character and your relationship with those around you. For example, people who know me professionally call me Dr. Hemphill, yet others who know me personally call me Ken. My children call me Daddy and my grandkids call me Papa. <laughs> Not surprisingly, God has also been known by many names throughout the centuries. The many names of God revealed in Scripture tell us much about His character. Those names invite us to know Him in a growing, intimate relationship. Knowing these names is important for three reasons. One, God is inherently great. Our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, Psalm 8, 1. Understanding the names of God will enable us to praise and worship Him more effectively. Two, God's name protects and benefits us. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, Psalm 18.10. God's various names can be a tremendous aid to effective and specific prayer. We represent God's name and trust and must bring honor to it. God gave ten commandments and one of those commandments has to do with his name. You shall not take the name of our Lord your God, of the name of the Lord your God in vain, Exodus 27. This command means far more than avoiding us, avoiding its use in vulgar or slang suggestions, expressions. It means the people of God must reflect his name or character in their lives. The names of God are a love gift to us. God reveals himself fully so that we may experience his fullness. As we look at six of those names, we'll discover truths about the lovely character of God. Okay, so let's uh, begin by looking at that first question that we have. First of all, let me ask, um, Anyone want to share the nicknames that you've been given? <laughs> Anybody have nicknames? Albert? You used to call me Joe. You know why you used to call me Joe? Why? Because I was on his company, Joe Payne, saw four dancers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. George. All right, Joe. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> no, no one else want to share your, your names? Nicknames? We're ready to my. Uh, maiden name is J-O-N-E-S and during school uh, one of the guys brought a cowboy hat at school and they were just putting it on the children's head and you know playing that and I did put it on my head one time and I just didn't want I leave it and then there were the others who would come by and they said Rob Jones cowboy Rob Jones. <laughs> and I don't know and that stuck you know even to this day they still say Jones, you know, but don't worry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was just a fun thing. All right. 
Anyone else? Got a nickname? Yes, anyone? Okay. George. George? Yeah. How did you get George? King George. Oh, King George. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, let's see. Okay, let's look at the first question then. What's one of the hardest things you've been asked to do? What's one of the hardest things? The names of God that we're going to be looking at is our provider, our healer, our banner, our peace, our shepherd, and our righteousness. So what's one of the hardest things you've been asked to do that you could think of at the moment? To pack up and move. To pack up and move. Well, I understand that one. <laughs> That's a challenge. Sister Beth. Uh, well, I thought I was going the first day to a job where I was going to... Um, just go in a warehouse and fill bottles with water. <laughs> That's not what I was doing. I got there and I was just shocked. I, I was shown around this office and it was all this stuff. Working, you know, answering calls and learning about products and talking to customers and filling out forms and working on a computer. And the next day I was just crying my eyes out on the way to work, asking God to help me. I didn't know how to do this. So that was a very hard thing. You know, within a couple of weeks I knew what I was doing, but it took a while and I just couldn't believe I had walked into that. Wow. Anybody else? Find somebody. Huh? Fire someone. Fire somebody, okay. Yeah, that was that's a definitely. Yeah, that's hard too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I had an incident last week, Thursday. I think this ranks among one of the most uh, hardest things I've been asked to do. I, I I was in the office and I got this email from the US Embassy about one of the places um, that we manage and it was a list. And I had never seen a list like that before, all right? And they said that um, the washing machine wasn't working, something was wrong with it. The dryer was taking two cycles to dry. Uh, the dishwasher was giving off a foul odor. The ice maker in the refrigerator wasn't making ice. There was a foul odor coming from the, from the they said, from the dishwasher that sent in the whole house. The light bulbs in the chandelier in the living room was exploding. The light bulbs were not just blowing, they were shattering, right? Uh, what else was there? Uh, there was a problem with the, with the, with the um, master bedroom bed. Uh, some of the supports or something was, was wrong with it. Uh, there, there was a, uh, uh, what was it? A, the front door lock wasn't working properly. Uh, there was, <laughs> I mean, it was a whole long list. And, uh, well, the first thing they want on new appliances. So I said, Whoa, what, what in the world is going on in that house? You know, and uh, the the, um, the crown molding for the vanity fell off. Uh, there was a piece of rotted wood outside of the, the master bedroom balcony. A piece of rotted wood fell off. I said, whoa. So I picked up the phone and I called the embassy. I called the guy at the embassy who sent me the email. And I said, what's going on uh, over there? I, I mean, 
He says, well, that's, the, that's what the tenant reported to us, and we just have to report it to you. You know, I so said, okay, when, when can I have somebody go there and deal with these issues? He says, well, I'm going off the island, you got to talk to somebody else. <laughs> right? So I, I called this other guy, and uh, got him, and I asked him, one of the things about the embassy, you got, everything has to go through the embassy. For security reasons. Mm -hmm. So you got to call the embassy and find out when somebody's going to be home so that you can find out when you're going to have people go there and then when they approve it then you got to get the guys to find out when they're going to come and then you got to call the security at the gate to give them access to get in and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. All right, so I said, okay. I called the plumber. The plumber said, well, I can make it tomorrow. Good. I called the electrician. He says, no, I got a meeting. I'm not sure I can make it 9.30 when the plumber's coming. Uh, I called the, the, the appliance guy. He said, well, I can make it for 9.30. Uh, tomorrow, and this is Thursday. You know, when you get stuff like this on, a, on the weekend, it's kind of difficult. So I call on the, 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 the um, maintenance guy who does everything else. He said, well, I can make it when the other guys can make it. If all of them going to be there, I can be there. I said, great, fantastic. I thought this was the hardest thing I've been asked to do. You know, but apparently everything just fell in place. But when I got there the next day, uh, I got a text from the electrician, and this is one of the, the, the vital issues that we wanted to deal with because the lady said the bulbs are exploding. She had two small kids and they work wow. at a dining table and these bulbs are shattering. Mm -hmm. You know, so the, the uh, electrician sent me a text. He said, I'm sorry I can't make it. Uh, I've, I've got a fire in an 800 amp panel and I'm waiting on BPL to come to turn off the power so we can deal with it. I don't know when I'm going to get there. Wow. Okay, that's threw a monkey wrench in it. So I had to go, I had another electrician. All right. The other guy, the first guy I called, I kept calling him and calling him and couldn't get an answer. Finally, he sent me a text and said, I'm off the island. Great. Yeah. So I said, now, what other electrician do I know? Well, he called his other guy, couldn't get him. Called the other fellow, the fourth electrician, said, uh, uh, well, that sounds like you over this issue and the next issue. And the next. I said, well, when can you get there? Yeah. Well, he said, I can get there in 20 minutes. Great. Fantastic. And it all worked out. But I tell you, boy, that was one of the hardest things. In all the time that I've been doing that to get, you know, all those issues, it turns out that everything what is not as bad as, you know, they explained it to be. Uh, the, the odor that they had was, uh, well, one of the issues was the toilet downstairs was moving. It was loose. And we found out that the plumber found there was a broken flange and the flange was in seal, and so that was given the house. There was nothing wrong with the dishwasher. The ice maker didn't have a flow jet pump because the embassy had access to take it out the last persons who were there. So it didn't, you couldn't make ice if you don't have water going to the fridge. All right, so we, we had to get it all, all done. But it was one of the hardest things I've been asked to do. Trust I wouldn't have one of them again. But now I get experience, right? Yeah. Also, Praise the Lord. Breaking bad news to people as well. Breaking bad news to people. That's another thing you want. You don't want to do. Okay, what's, uh, let's look at Bible meets life. Page 14. Go ahead. We have all made decisions to take on a daunting task, but it can be especially difficult when someone else makes that decision for you. The soldier who has volunteered for an assignment, the employee who is transferred to a new task or city, the student who is called on by the instructor to show the rest of the class how to solve X. In those moments, our minds can be dominated by a single thought. How am I going to do this? Mm. A few years ago, my wife Paula 
and I chose to move closer to our extended families. That might not seem like a hard decision, but things didn't fall together the way we expected. To make it even more challenging, my wife was diagnosed with cancer in the midst of the transition. We moved ahead, though, choosing to trust God and not our circumstances. We trusted and God provided. When we look back, we can see God's hand at work. Our home has given us a quiet retreat, a wonderful healing place for fallen. God provides what we need when we need it. Abraham knew this too. God truly is our provider, and Abraham saw God's provision as he trusted him during a great test of his faith. Okay. So God provides what we need when we need it. Abraham knew this too. God truly is our provider. And Abraham saw God's provision as he trusted him during a great test of his life. Uh, what is the point of our lesson today? Trust God to meet our Okay, do we do that? Sometimes, right? Uh, when we think uh, it's something that God can handle, we would trust Him. And when we think we can handle it on our own, we say, okay, God, you know, you're busy with all that other stuff and, and all going on in the world. Let me, I'll, I'll take care of this one. You know, so only when we think we can't uh, deal with it. Okay, let's look at the first uh, passage of Scripture that we have, uh, Genesis 22, 1 to 2. So I'm going to go ahead and read that, please. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Okay. Abraham uh, is... Okay, stop right there. A couple of things we want to note from uh, that experience that Abraham uh, that is mentioned in that verse before we get to the, the verses there. Uh, as the life of Abraham demonstrates, uh, we see in this passage, our faith will often be tested. God called Abraham, at that time Abram, to leave his homeland, go to a new land, and God told him he would show him the land that he was going to. Uh, in, in our cases, we would want to know where we're going before we go, right? God says, don't worry about it, Abraham, I'm going to show you where you're going. And uh, we see that recorded in, in Genesis chapter 11. After he received his word from God, uh, Scripture simply stated that Abraham went just as the Lord had told him. Talk about obedience, eh? Trust. Abraham was 75 years old when he answered God's call. The book of Hebrews notes that it was because of his faith that Abraham obeyed God's call. And we see that in Hebrews 11 where we have that whole catalog of those heroes of faith. Part of God's promise to Abraham was that he would become the father of a great nation. And of course we know that his name was changed to reflect that uh, from Abram to Abraham, which means father of many, and one can only imagine the ridicule that he must have experienced from his servants 
as he walked across the field, they knew his name had been changed, and in those days, names meant something, and so of course, they probably knew what his name meant, father of many, and they'd probably joke and mock and say, hey, there goes the father of many who doesn't have any. And because of his age, of course, you know, he, he probably thought he wouldn't have anything. And so one can imagine what name changes, uh, what name change uh, have occurred. And so part of God's promise was to make him a father of a great nation. Implicit in this promise of making Abraham a great nation was that Abraham and Sarah would have a son. At this stage of Abraham's life, he had no son, and his wife Sarah was unable to conceive. A son would continue Abraham's family line, as he would inherit all that Abraham had, his possessions, his wealth, and so on. God fulfilled his promise to Abraham with the birth of Abraham's son Isaac. At the time of Isaac's birth, Abraham was a hundred years old and Sarah was ninety. God again provided as only he could. Uh, sometime after the birth of his son, God spoke to Abraham again to test him. However, this test of Abraham's faith was far greater than any of the previous tests that he had undergone, gone. God told Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice in the verses that we just read. Uh, the son God had promised him, the son he deeply loved, the son that he and Sarah had waited for for 25 years. Furthermore, Isaac was the key to God's covenant with Abraham, not only to make a great nation from Abraham, but also to bless all the peoples of the earth through Abraham as well. It took God, if God took Isaac, the question is, how was he going to fulfill his promise? All right, challenging question for Abraham, right? God told Abraham to take Isaac, and to go to the land of Moriah, about 60 miles north of Beersheba where Abraham was living. 60 miles! Okay, on foot. Right? Of course, he probably put the, the, the little boy on the donkey. You know, and there were probably people along the way that said, Boy, look at that disrespectful little boy letting his daddy walk and he ride the donkey. <laughs> you know, and then when he went further on, he said, Oh, you know, I'll just ride the donkey and let the little boy walk. And then people complain about yeah. that too. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that man. What kind of a father is he? You know, letting that little boy walk and he ride the donkey. You know, so no matter what you do, you're going to get criticized, right? And then he decided that both of them were going to walk. And then the people said, Boy, look at those two stupid people. They got a donkey and both of them are walking. There'll always be something. So one can imagine what um, Abraham must have been going through. Uh, so uh, God told him to sacrifice his son, and uh, eventually um, uh, God provided uh, a ram in the thicket. We know the story, right? Uh, but let's look at the paragraphs beneath that verse and see what else we can glean. Go ahead, continue Abraham to read. Abraham is commonly seen as a great example of someone who exercised strong faith. See Hebrews 11 and 8. Okay, someone have that verse? Hebrews 11 and 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. 
Okay, continues himself. But Abraham's journey wasn't always easy. In fact, there were moments when he faltered. In his fear, Abraham claimed Sarah was not his wife twice. See um, Genesis 12, 12 to 13 and 21 to 3. Well, let's look at those occurrences. Genesis 12, 12. I have that one. Go ahead. When the Egyptian seen Abraham say, this is his wife, that's killing. Then we can't have her. So please tell them, you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. And then 21 to 3. Now Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of the Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream of the night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman you taken, for she is Mary's wife. Okay, continue, Michelle. In his doubt, Abraham attempted to help fulfill God's promise through having a son by Sarah's slave, Hagar. C 18, 1 to 3, I guess that's Genesis. Yeah, Genesis. Uh... Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, and he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Okay, continue, Michelle. In Genesis 22, Abraham faced his greatest test of faith. Verse 1 begins with an interesting phrase that is easy to overlook after these things. Moses, the writer of Genesis, wanted us to think of back over Abraham's long journey that had led him to war of the Chaldeans to this very conversation with God. Um, God called to Abram when he was 75 years old. See Genesis 12 and 4. So Abraham, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and 5 years old when he departed out of heaven. Instructing him to leave his land, his relatives, and his father's house, everything that was familiar and comfortable. In return, God promised to bless Abram by making him into a great nation that would bless all the nations of the earth. See verse 2. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah. No, verse 2. Genesis 12, 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Okay. This was problematic because Abraham had no children and his wife Sarah was barren. Even so, Abram believed the Lord and he credited, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Uh, 15 and 6. Abraham eventually did have a son, Isaac. Although it took 25 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. See 21, 1 to 7. 
what I've done? Yeah. Tony, go ahead. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who, who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Genesis 22 took place several years after Isaac's birth. Next page. Given Abraham's story, God's command in verse 2 is difficult to understand. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Notice God's detailed description of Isaac, your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. This wasn't simply a son. God required of Abraham. It was his only son. It was Isaac, the son whom you love. This son was not only dear to Abraham, he was essential to God's promise concerning the blessing of the nations. Yet he was about to be offered as a sacrifice. Okay. All right, a couple of points, uh, uh, main points uh, we want to point out there. Uh, Abraham is commonly seen as a great example of someone who exercised strong faith. So anything you think about someone who exercised strong faith, Abraham is the man. In his fear though, Abraham claimed Sarah was not his wife, twice. That's interesting, isn't it? When he's considered to be one of such strong faith. Uh, in his doubt, Abraham attempted to help fulfill God's promise through having a son by Sarah's slave, Hagar. Another interesting turn of events, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And then um, Abraham eventually did have a son, Isaac, through, although it took 25 years for God's promise to be fulfilled. Again, God works in his own time, his own timetable. And we can't rush him, and uh, we can't uh, nudge him, we can't persuade him. He has a timetable, and when we try to intervene, what happens? We just screw everything up. We just mess everything up. And look what happened in Abraham's life. Um, so it's better to wait for God, right? Yes. Third point, uh, finally, uh, Abraham would soon face his greatest test of faith. Abraham was to take his son to Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. One can only imagine what was going through his mind. And as we see those words, those words, those phrases highlighted there, your son, your only son, whom you love. Okay, God specifically emphasized some key phrases there uh, that really should have caused Abraham to pause and think, well, what in the world is going on here? How is this going to work? But he didn't doubt. He obeyed, right? Question number two, page 15. What's your initial reaction to this verse? When you read this verse, what is your initial reaction? When you see what God is asking him to do? He probably wouldn't do it. He probably wouldn't do it. 
On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, My father. And he replied, Here am I, my son. Isaac said, the, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? <laughs> Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Good then, answer. Yes. <laughs> then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. Okay, continue reading. Continue. We can hear Abraham's faith in his instructions to the young man. Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Emphasis added. How could he be so confident? The writer of Hebrews gave us insight into Abraham's thoughts as he took his son to Mount Moriah. He considered God to be able to even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. Hebrew 11:19. Abraham was convinced that God, who had already performed one miracle by putting life into a barren womb, could raise Isaac from the dead. In short, Abraham had arrived at a point in his faith journey where he was confident he could trust God with his most valued possession, his only son. The text gives us no clue as to how much time passed between verses eight and nine. Having arrived at the place God designated, Abraham built the altar and arranged the wood in preparation for the sacrifice. This work might have taken considerable time, and I've often wondered if any additional dialogue passed between Abraham and Isaac. <laughs> the text is silent. We are only told with other simplicity that Abraham bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood and then raised his knife to kill his beloved son. Just reading the account leaves us nearly breathless. There's no doubt Abraham was committed to obey the command of God, yet we should understand that Abraham's actions were based on his understanding of God's character. Our circumstances never test the faithfulness of God. 
They only test our understanding of his character and purpose. Okay. All right, question number three. How do Abraham's actions in these verses demonstrate faith? Obedience. Obedience, okay. Hmm? He was so willing to do what God had told him to do. He was willing to do exactly what God told him to do. Like blind mm -hmm. trust. He just like trust. Mm -hmm. Just believe. Abraham answered without delay. Mm -hmm. We can hear Abraham's faith in this in his instructions to the young man. So Stay here with the donkey. Yeah. I and the boy mm -hmm. will go over there and worship mm -hmm. and come again to you. Abraham arrived at a point in his faith journey where he was confident he could trust God with the most prized, his most valued possession, his son. So either he thought that God was going to provide something else or God was going to allow him to kill his son and bring him back to life. But he specifically said, you, you know, y'all wait here. Me and the boy are going to go over there and we're coming back. We're coming back in a little while. All right? That's faith. That is faith. He said, we'll come back. Yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, we'll come back. I have a question for you. Go ahead. What is the meaning of Mount Moriah? Mount Moriah. Yes, he only gave over for it. The writer of Hebrews gave us insight into Abraham's thoughts. He took his son to Mount Moriah. That okay. Mount okay. Moriah was, was located about 60 miles north of Beersheba, where Abraham was, was living, right? And uh, it was a mountain. Uh, it's the same hilltop King David purchased, and it was the same hilltop that the temple was built on later uh, by Solomon. Uh, we see that in Second Chronicles. Uh, we have a description some uh, of Second uh, Chronicles chapter three, uh, verse one. It says, Solomon began to build a temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, oh, okay. where the Lord had appeared to David and his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Arona, the Jebusite, the site that David had selected. So that's the same place where um, um, Abraham God instructed him uh, to take his son. Okay, um, question. When have you experienced a time of testing? No, that's not it. Uh, that's question number three. Oh, question number four. When have you experienced a time of testing? When have you? My children test me. Okay. Okay, the next verses demonstrate how Abraham would uh, would trust God to provide what he needed. Oh, we already read that. Uh, question number four, when have you tested? Okay, the next verses show us that God will provide what we need when we need it. Okay, so let's look at those verses. That's Genesis chapter 22, 11 to 14. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, Here I am. Then he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. 
For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. Okay, so, continue reading. Sunday. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. This place of divine encounter became sacred for Abraham, and so he called it, the Lord will provide. This is the literal translation of the name Jehovah Jireh. The Hebrew word Jireh can be translated to see. We may wonder what the connection is between seeing and providing. We can make that the connection with the English nine, noun provision, a compound made up of two Latin words, which then, when taken together, mean to see beforehand. God's prevision leads to his provision. God knew before Abraham ever reached Moriah that he would need a sacrifice. Therefore, God personally provided the ram. This is an amazing picture of salvation. Before the foundation of the world, God had prior vision of man's sin and rebellion. Seeing our need, he made provision for our redemption by providing a lamb of sacrifice, Jesus, his one and only son, John 3.16. Notice that it was Abraham's obedience that unleashed God's blessing in his life. See Genesis 22, 16 to 18. Let's look at those verses. Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 22, 16 to 18. Anybody have it? And said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Okay. Continue. For us as well, obedience is the key to growing faith. Mm -hmm. James spoke to this issue with great clarity when he compared those who hear God's word and refuse to act with those who hear and do act. Mm -hmm. The latter will be blessed in what they do. See... James. James 1, 23 to 25. For if you listen to the word, word and obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Okay, continue. If you desire to unleash God's blessing in your life, 
If you want to discover that God is your provider, then obey his word. Obey immediately and without reservation and see all that God will provide. Okay. Last question. How can, your, how can our actions and attitudes demonstrate that we serve the God who provides? How can our actions and attitudes demonstrate? Thinking about Abraham now, what he did, his response, his reaction, his mindset. And then answer the question, how can our actions and attitudes demonstrate that we serve the God who provides? Live a similar life as Abraham lived. Okay, All right. Brother Nechkem says to live a similar life as Abraham lived. Um, I'm reminded of uh, Sister Sally, who's not here, but uh, her mom uh, exemplified this in a lovely way. When they were young, um, often they didn't have enough money for food. But every morning, they sat down and um, they set the table and sat down at the table and thanked the Lord for the meal that he would provide. And they didn't have food in the house at that moment. But they would have food. There would be a knock at the door. Mm. And people would deliver food to them. God provides. And um, mm. so they were um, acting on faith and trusting that the God would provide. I thought that was beautiful. Yeah, good example. Okay. All right, uh, time is rapidly moving away from us. I encourage you to look at that uh, activity out there and do that exercise. But let's look at uh, how we can flesh this out. Uh, page well, there's, a, there's a quote there by Corey Ten Boom uh, if God sends us on, a, on strong paths we are provided strong shoes interesting uh, page 20 God will use challenging circumstances to lead us to, deeper un to a deeper understanding of his ability to provide for our needs how will you apply these truths this week Consider these suggestions. Identify your Isaac. What circumstance, person, or thing are you having the most difficulty placing in God's care? Pray this week for the faith necessary to let it go. And then place your Isaac on the altar. Abraham had, a first, had to first gather the resources necessary to make a sacrifice before he could find God's provision. Identify concrete steps you can take to place your Isaac in God's care. And then thirdly, look for God's provision. Write down the ways God provides for you this week. Make known to others the good things God is providing in your life. You can experience a breakthrough in your faith walk when you are willing to trust God with those things you hold most precious. Make that decision today and trust Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Amen?